covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile, and my name is Matt Pauley. I'm your host. I'll be with you for the next hour or so as we talk all things Brewers baseball. Our normal housekeeping items to take care of here at the top of the program. If you need to reach out to me, you can do so. Uh, best way to do it is on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. If you don't have Twitter, you can still email me, matt.pauley at WTMJ.com. If you listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast and can leave a ranking and review, and if you can also click the subscribe button, that would be very helpful. Uh, having uh, subscriptions means a lot in terms of other people being able to find this podcast when they go through searches and when there's recommendations and things like that. So if you can subscribe to the podcast, that's great. And then every Monday morning, the podcast comes right to your phone or whatever device you happen to uh, listen to podcasts on. Here's what we've got coming up on the program this week. Our uh, featured conversation, our social media conversation, will be with Adam Rigg from the Brewer Nation, one of our favorite guests to have uh, on. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be a large percentage of the podcast today. This is, this is an odd time to be doing this podcast, and here's what I mean by that. We generally, you know, because this is a weekly podcast, not a daily podcast, we try to touch on things from a kind of a bigger picture perspective not always we don't we don't always hit on it perfectly but uh, we try to make this podcast one where if you're listening on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday that uh, the details are still relevant to uh, what you've got uh, to what's going on with the team at that moment and I'm not saying today is not like that if you are listening on Thursday don't feel like you just need to go ahead and tune out now because nothing's going to be uh, applicable to what's going on but it's a little bit tougher right now And the reason it's tougher is because things have changed a bit here in the last week or so. As we have gotten into the final two weeks of the season, now into the final week of the season, as we're really at the nitty-gritty, as every single game means so much, this is one of those times of the year where you divert from the way I I think you should view baseball. I think baseball is a sport that you should view it as uh, how teams do in series, how teams do over the course of a week, how a team does over the course of a month. That's probably uh, a lot more uh, applicable, a lot more you, you look at it and it says a lot more about the team. You know, Every team's going to have a bad week. Every team's going to have a bad couple weeks. Uh, thing, things just go bad. So you take a step back and you look at it from a bigger picture and for the first 145, 150 games of the season, that works. But when you're in the position that the Brewers are in right now, within a couple, two, three games of the division lead, trying to hold off another team to make sure that even if you don't win the division, you get the wild card, and you're down to the final, as I mentioned, I think this, I think it kind of turned this week, and it certainly remains this way the next week, it's... It's not so much about going in and winning series. It's more about going and winning every possible game that you can. Now, once that series gets over, yeah, you can look back and say, okay, you took two out of three. That was good. I think that's how you look at this Pirates series. Brewers have struggled against the Pirates all season long. They went into Pittsburgh. They took two out of three. They sweep that series. They're sitting a game and a half back of the Cubs, and the door is still a little bit more I guess a jar for them to uh, possibly get to uh, to get to catching the Cubs. Not that that's off the table yet, uh, but 
they took two out of three. We can look back at that series and say, okay, they did their job. They took two out of three. They won the series. But moving forward, as you go into each day, as you go into each game, I don't think, I, for me at least, I don't know if this is making any sense what I'm saying, it's not so much about going into St. Louis and saying, okay, you got to win two out of three. You do. You know, that's a, you win two out of three against the Cardinals and you are in fantastic position in terms of that top, top wild card spot. Uh, you basically clinched at that point with the, uh, with the, uh, having the tiebreaker against the Cardinals and being a, a few games up. Uh, the Rockies would then have to get into play to bring in a, a wild card scenario where there's a tiebreaker and everything that involving, uh, more games, but that's neither here nor there here at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's, Sure, you can look at that Cardinals series and say you win two out of three, you're in good shape. But it's something where you go into each and every day and you say, this is the biggest game of the season. And once this game gets over, the next game is the biggest game of the season. It's one game after another after another as the Brewers try to accomplish something. And the Brewers try to make it into the postseason, try to secure a home playoff game as well, which is something that is very key. I thought it was a good last week for the team, for the most part. Going to Pittsburgh, you're able to take two out of three. That's a that's a team that has certainly given the Brewers their fair share of uh, challenges over the course of the year. Uh, end of season, the record doesn't look especially good uh, against Pittsburgh. Prior to that, you take uh, two out of three against uh, Cincinnati at home. Sure, you would have loved to have swept that series, but you are winning series. And I know I just went on this long diatribe about it's not about series anymore. But again, I think looking back and, and evaluating how the team is doing, you can look at it in terms of series. And they keep winning series. They just keep doing it. I don't know at this point if that's going to be enough for them to catch the Cubs. Probably not. Take two out of three against St. Louis. Take two out of three against Detroit. I think that puts you in the top wild card position, uh, not the uh, not the division. But you never know what's going to happen with the Cubs. Uh, Brewers play three at St. Louis and three at home against Detroit. That is how they're going to uh, wrap up their season for the Cubs. They're going to play four against Pittsburgh and then three against St. Louis. That's how they're going to wrap up uh, their season as well. And that St. Louis-Chicago series could really mean something for the Cardinals, depending on what happens during the Brewers-Cardinals series and also what happens with the Rockies uh, moving forward. One other thing, and again, I'm I'm not somebody that likes to tell people how to be a fan. That's not what I'm trying to do here. But I feel like sometimes we don't enjoy stuff as much as we should. And the to me, Christian Yelich is the MVP. If I had a vote, I don't. If I had a vote, I would vote for Christian Yelich over Javi Baez. I would vote for Christian Yelich over Matt Carpenter. I would vote for Christian Yelich over Freddie Freeman. Those guys have all had really good seasons, and this is one of the things that I don't like. We get stuck in this this thing when we say, you know, we think that this guy should win the award over another guy. We're not saying the other guy's bad. That's that's one of the things I, I dislike the most when when these arguments get out on social media and so forth. You start putting down other players that don't deserve to be put down. Those players are having really good seasons. Javi Baez is having a great season for the Cubs. Matt Carpenter's having a great season for the Cardinals. Freddie Freeman's having a great season for the Braves. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Those guys are having really good seasons. You know what? Christian Yelich is having a better season for the Brewers. 
he is having a more impactful season for the Brewers. He is, to me, the guy that should win the MVP this year in the National League. And it would be really cool if he did. You'd feel good for him. Obviously, that's an accomplishment. He's also trying to win the National League batting title. That would be a really nice accomplishment for him as well. But I see all these arguments on social media, and it just at times kind of frustrates me because it's it's all these people who all they want to do is argue with Cubs fans about who's better, Christian Yelich or Javi Baez, and you're 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 putting the other guy down. And man, just just enjoy what Christian Yelich is doing. Just enjoy it. If he wins the National League MVP, man, that is awesome. That is really cool. If he doesn't win the National League MVP, hopefully. He has led the Brewers into the postseason and an extended postseason run at that. Uh, it's just it's social media has that uh, has that tendency to get negative, and it's gone that way with this. And a lot of guys are having really good seasons in the National League. Christian Yelich, to me, having the best. It doesn't mean other guys are not having it, and it doesn't mean that uh, you shouldn't enjoy what's going on with Christian Yelich, no matter what the uh, what the argument is. I, I try to avoid, and I, I stink at this, I stink, I stink, I stink at this, because I'm on social media all the time, and I think people who are active on Twitter the way I am, we are, and sometimes we get lost in like the fact that, maybe not the fact, but we get lost in this world where we think the people that are on Twitter are the, are the people that are, uh, that that represents the entire population, and it doesn't. There's more people who are not on Twitter than are on Twitter and everything, and I try to remind myself all the time when I see things uh, on there, so I probably shouldn't have even mention it, but I did, and we are going to move on. Uh, Adam Rigg of the Brewer Nation, he is our social media conversation this week. Let's get to it. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is time for our social media conversation, and we're very happy to uh, once again welcome back onto the podcast one of our very uh, normal guests. In fact, he was, I believe, our first guest ever on the podcast. And we're coming up on uh, episode number 90, I believe. i got to check and see what episode number we're on uh, right now. But to all that being said, we welcome in Adam Rigg from the Brewer Nation. Adam, always good to talk to you. How are you doing? Hello, everyone, and I'm doing fine, Matt. Uh, nice weekend. Uh, Brewers take the series. I went to a friend, went out with another friend who was back from the military and in town because of the hurricane in North Carolina. Not a great reason to be in Wisconsin, but it was still nice to see him now that he's back from the military. Uh, so reconnecting with some old friends, and uh, overall, I've had a nice little weekend here. Episode 84 right now. I just looked it up. We are on episode 84 of Brewers Externies, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, in case anybody uh, wants to know what episode we're, uh, we're on. Uh, this week, it's it, the, the over the course of the week, the Brewers get within a game and a half of the Cubs. They fall back to two and a half games. Not that two and a half is something that's impossible to uh, to get to, but when we're sitting here talking about two series left in the year, it's not going to be easy to make up the two and a half games. And plus, you've got the Cardinals now within a couple games of the Brewers for the top wild card position. I guess what's... It, 
What's more concerning to you right now, seeing seeing the Brewers try to still catch the Cubs or making sure that the Brewers uh, are able to hold on to the top wildcard spot and at the very least have that wildcard game at home? Well, I mean, I, I guess what I'm most concerned about as looking at it from as much of a fan standpoint as I can, a playoff game at home just feels so much more like you made the playoffs than potentially losing that one game wildcard game on the road and not even getting a chance to be in your home ballpark with your home fans. Uh, it, it just doesn't feel as playoffs to me. I mean, the Brewers haven't had to experience that yet, of course, but it, uh, knowing what the Pirates went through for a few years in a row, um, it just feels to me like it, it would be more playoffs if you're able to have a game at Miller Park. So I guess that's the thing that uh, I'm, I'm paying most attention to at this point. And at the risk of making it sound like a cop-out answer, I kind of have to echo what Craig Council has been saying for the last couple of weeks in that all they have to do is keep winning games. If they keep winning games, they're going to be in the playoffs. And if they keep winning games, they have a chance to catch the Cubs. If the Cubs lose a couple that maybe you don't expect them to lose. Um, but right now, all they can do is control themselves, uh, control whether or not they can win a game on an individual night, and hopefully other teams around them lose. You know, there's no head-to-head matchups with the Cubs anymore. They do, of course, have the three against the Cardinals coming up this next week that are probably the most important on the schedule um, and since the Cubs series because if the Cardinals sweep, then they are sitting in the catbird seat in the wild card position. And depending on what the Rockies do, the Rockies are just coming off of a sweep of their own this weekend. And it's possible that they could you know, push the Brewers for that second wild card. So for as out front as the Brewers have been to this point over the last couple of weeks, um, it's still nothing is set in stone at this point. I'm not personally expecting a sweep on either end in this Cardinal series. And if I'm wrong because the Brewers end up sweeping the Cardinals, that's that's great. Hopefully I'm not wrong because the Cardinals end up sweeping the Brewers. But let's go on the, uh, the premise that there's not going to be a sweep. If the Brewers take two out of three, they end up in a, in a position where they're three up on the Cardinals and they have the tiebreaker. So essentially they're golden going into that Detroit series. If they lose two out of three, they're sitting there one game up on the Cardinals, but without the tiebreaker going in that final series. And then all of a sudden, there's a there's a ton of pressure going in to those final three games against Detroit. So winning, winning one out of three or winning two out of three against St. Louis, to me, it seems like all the difference in the world. It certainly could be, uh, because you have to, of course, remember that once the Cardinals finish with the Brewers, if they are in that position of one game behind uh, Milwaukee, the Cubs at that point will probably, if they haven't already clinched mathematically, they will have basically uh, gotten themselves into a position where they don't have to worry about that final weekend. And they play the Cardinals. So you could run into a situation where the Cubs are sitting uh, players, resting players, giving the Cardinals an easier path to continue to win games uh, as the season comes to a close. And as bad as the Detroit Tigers have been this year, uh, they're still a major league team. <laughs> they still uh, have won some games this year. It's not like they're, they're over. They're 63-93. and 93. It's a horrible record, but they've still beaten other teams 63 times, So as we record it anyway. So it's a situation where you obviously want the Brewers to take another series. It's a tall order to ask. I think what they've won nine out of the last ten series now. 
So it's a taller to, to continue to ask them to do that. But if they're able to, you know, keep on keeping on, then again, like we've said, they're, they're kind of in the right position. And hopefully they go into that final weekend against Detroit, uh, not needing anything uh, outside of maybe a, a win just to stay sharp. Hopefully they can, if they haven't clinched uh, the wild card one position by Friday, then maybe they can celebrate a little bit at home, and that'll be a nice celebration with the fans. But outside of that, um, you want to wrap this thing up as soon as possible. And if they are able to somehow sweep in St. Louis, then they clinch wild card one. Uh, at least they'll at least they clinch a, a playoff berth for sure. Um, and depending on what the Rockies do, they might have a chance to clinch wild card one. So uh, it's all things considered, it's a good situation for the Brewers to be in. We're talking on Sunday night and. I try to keep the material on this podcast kind of generic because I know that people are listening Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday as the week goes along. So uh, what we're about to talk about, people, or a lot of people listening to this podcast are already going to kind of know the result. But a decision was made to scratch Chase Anderson from his start on Monday. They're going to go uh, with a bullpen game. Chase has had a really nice season. He's got a sub-4 ERA. I'm not saying it's a great season, but he's had a nice season. Uh, He's given up more home runs than you would like, but that's never been something that's overly bothered me because if you give up all your runs via a home run or you give up all your runs on on multitude of hits, sometimes home runs can even be rally killers, so it actually can benefit you. But I feel a little bit different about that as you get towards the postseason where games are going to be tighter. You're going to be playing probably some 1-0, 2-1, 3-1, 3-2 type games. The last thing you want is a guy who gives up a bunch of home runs, maybe giving up a deciding home run. But that's more about the postseason. I was a little surprised that Chase Anderson got uh, got scratched from the Monday game and they're going to go with a bullpen contest. What say you on that decision? Uh, I would say it's a, it's surprising in its nature. Um, if for no other reason than Anderson's got pretty solid career numbers against the Cardinals, including this season, um, he's done a decent job against St. Louis. And the fact that uh, Council wants to use this spot to kind of play bullpen, play matchups, uh, maybe never have a pitcher hit uh, the whole game, maybe give his very deep bench uh, with September rosters. Maybe give that uh, that roster a chance to jump on the Cardinals uh, early and often and really set the tone here in this first game of the series. And, you know, Council said that after the game on Sunday that, you know, it's just it doesn't matter what city we're going into. The, the game is still important. Uh, the, the win still is important. It all still matters, obviously. But with the head-to-head against the Cardinals being what it is with the wild card standings being what they are, you can't help but notice when he decides to pull this trigger uh, on a game with that kind of importance as opposed to, say, the first game against Detroit. You know, there's a lot of speculation on social media um, that perhaps, oh, maybe the council's just kind of testing the waters to see how this would work in a wild card game. Uh, I don't. I think he's definitely going to have a starter start the wild card game um, with a quick hook and, and being willing to go to the bullpen early. So maybe he wants to see how guys, certain guys match up against Cardinal hitters just in case they're playing the Cardinals in the wild card game. Maybe he wants to hold Anderson out so the Cardinals don't get yet another look at him. You never know. There's a lot of things that go into baseball decisions that you know we don't really consider. And even most of the things that we do consider, there's a lot that goes on that uh, it's just you know teams with their scouting reports and decision makers kind of you know using their proprietary information. But, you know, to the root of your question, no, it was definitely a little bit surprising, and I'm very curious to see how it works out. It's 
going to be one of the more interesting games, I think, uh, that to, to watch, you know, not just with the results kind of being what matters, but seeing how they get those 27 outs uh, on Monday. It's something I'm definitely going to be paying very close attention to. I tend to pump the brakes on conversations about playoff roster and things like that. Like the, To me, those are conversations you like to have after the, the playoffs have been clinched. Not that we haven't talked about it. Certainly it's been a, a deep topic of conversation uh, on the postgame show I do on WTMJ Radio. But really, for me right now, I, I prefer to talk about regular season stuff as opposed to postseason stuff. But all that being said, since you brought it up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond to it. The idea of going with a bullpen game in the postseason, I think one of the big reasons why it's different doing it in the postseason than it is right now, you got you know 36 guys or whatever it is on the roster. You're back to a 25-man roster in the postseason. Going with a bullpen game, you don't get those benefits like you just alluded to. Maybe in this game on Monday, a pitcher is never going to hit. Well, you wouldn't really have that opportunity to do that in a playoff game where your roster is 25. Right, and, and even if you wanted to toy with it with the wild card game because you're able to set a roster before that game and then again after that game for the NLDS if you happen to win the wild card game you know you can overload yourself with bullpen arms maybe carry one extra starter for length that kind of a thing but even in that situation you know you're you're dancing with the devil a little bit in every time you go to a new arm that arm has to be sharp and if he's not sharp then you got to go to somebody else uh, very quickly because, uh, you know, a guy that kind of loses his command in a tight situation, depending on what part of the order you're in, depending on what time of the game it is, you know, things can spiral out of control very quickly. You saw in the, in the Pittsburgh game today on Sunday, um, Wade Miley was pretty much cruising right along. And as they say, you're dealing until you aren't. And all of a sudden he, you know, gives up a walk, gives up a hit. Uh, there's an error in the field behind him and the bases are suddenly loaded. And then a couple of doubles later, and it's a three-run ball game after the Brewers had a seven-run lead. So it, it can spiral out of control just that quick. And obviously you can't bank on the fact that you're going to score seven or 12 runs come playoff time because you're facing some of the best pitching in baseball, which is why those teams are in the playoffs. So, yeah, it's it's an odd situation to think that it might be a little bit of a, of a preview but again, the only thing I can really think of is maybe he wants to see, he being counsel, maybe he wants to see if Taylor Williams can handle a couple of right-handed Cardinals hitters maybe to help make playoff roster decisions. But again, I don't think he's going to be trying to do a playoff uh, or a bullpen game come uh, playoff time, even with the, all the days off and the guys getting extra rest. It just doesn't seem to make sense to me. The Tampa Bay Rays, as they've had a ton of bullpen games, one of their kind of systems has been start with a bullpen guy to get through those top three guys. And generally, you know, your top three guys in the lineup are, are pretty good hitters. And, you know, maybe if one of them gets aboard, it's the top four guys. And then you bring in somebody to eat a few more innings after that. You know, your starter goes one, and it allows the next guy to face that top of the order one less time. Uh, we'll, we'll see if Chase Anderson does come out of the bullpen. Evidently, he's available. It doesn't. It, it seems like you're messing around a little bit too much. It, it, I, so I'm not saying it would be Chase who would come in second, but could it be a scenario like that where the starter is going to go one inning, and then that second guy that they get that they bring in is going to be tasked to get maybe multiple innings? 
Uh, it's certainly possible. Um, a lot of that, of course, depends on who they tab to start the game. And according to reports from Pittsburgh, um, that's not going to be a decision that gets made until they were on the plane yeah. uh, on the way to St. Louis. So I'm sure they probably know and uh, didn't want to say. Uh, but if they are truly making the decision in the air uh, this afternoon, then uh, obviously they know by now. Uh, Chase admitted after the game that he had known for a couple of days he wasn't going to be starting. So uh, if they go with a guy like, I don't know, Corey Knable, for example, even though he pitched today, if they were to start him, uh, just as an example, he's probably a one-inning, maybe a two-inning guy. Uh, and you don't want to burn him out, obviously, for the rest of the series. So then in, in that situation, uh, do you go to a Junior Guerra, a, you know, Brandon Woodruff, uh, Jordan Lyles, some of the guys with a little bit more of the – the length uh, in that bullpen. So to me, it, it would make more sense to maybe go with the junior Guerra, you know, that type of guy who's still stretched out, has got that starting experience. The routine of warming up to start for a game is not going to be foreign to him. Um, he'll be kind of within him, within his, uh, within himself, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it, uh, knowing what, what he's got to do to get ready to maybe face that lineup one time through. You know, and I think that's the other thing you are going to benefit from, whether or not it's an opener as the Rays kind of term it, and then whoever comes in for a couple of innings, then they face hopefully four, five, six, maybe through the third hitter, and then get out of there. I think if you're going to do it that way, you may as well let a guy who's used to starting a little bit um, get those one time through the order, get them out of there after that, you know, go to the next guy. Don't ever let any cardinal hitter get the same look twice, and hopefully that works to their uh, works to their advantage. How concerned are you that the offense does still have a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde aspect to it? We saw them get shut out in the second game against Pittsburgh. We saw them uh, score one run in the second game against Cincinnati. And this is something that has been existing since the season has gotten started. But as good as this offense can be, highlighted by the fact that they scored eight runs in the first game against Pittsburgh and 13 runs in the final game against Pittsburgh, I know part of it is, well, it's baseball, but there, there does seem to be an inconsistent aspect or at least a hey the the offense can have a really bad day at any given moment aspect of this brewers team yeah and, that, and that's the most dangerous part if you're looking at the playoffs and especially the wild card game for this brewers team in my opinion is the fact that there are days where the right starter the right type of starter can just shut them down and to their, I mean, if we want to get into all the specifics. Taylor Williams, or Trevor Williams, rather, has been tremendous for the Pirates in the second half. I think he may be leading the National League in ERA, or he's like second behind DeGrom, something like that. He's way up on the leaderboard for the, what results he's posted since the, the All-Star game. So he's just been tremendously good. Uh, he's got a, a scoreless inning streak against the Brewers, dating back to, I think they said, late 2017. So it, it's he's been good against this team it's a bad matchup for them um he pitched again at miller park the, you know, recently uh, in the series that they had there so uh, and again like i said scoreless innings so some of that yeah it's it's some of it's going to be who you're matched up against some of it is going to be uh just the individual hitters maybe not locked in that day or what have you you know based on the fact like you said it is kind of a baseball thing that said um this team has had a lot of change from day to day lineup wise uh, with great roster flexibility comes uh, many lineup machinations, I guess, for 
a way to say it, it, there's a lot of guys that have played kind of inconsistently to a degree. And I'm not saying that the Brewers would benefit from having the same eight guys, you know, six out of seven days uh, all the time through. But there's got to be something to be said for guys being able to settle in a little bit, um, being able to see the hitter, you know, see the pitchers that they're going to face that day, uh, get their multiple at bats, and kind of just lock themselves in. Because as we've we've said, the Brewers had gone a long time uh, between shutouts at one point this year. They got shut out a whole bunch early. Everybody freaked out about it all the time. Oh my God, the Brewers are getting shut out again. What's wrong with this offense? And then they went like two and a half months without a shutout. Yeah. Uh, and then they've been shut out a couple of times here in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, it's been inconsistent. They don't clearly, no team posts seven runs a game uh, day in and day out. Um, but yeah, there, there's certainly some worry there, I think, and legitimate worry that the, the Brewers team can get shut down uh, by the right pitcher. But it's just one of those things that I, I don't think there's too much you can, you know, there's not too much you can force yourself to see in those situations that you can find a way out of it. It's just kind of, you know, do your work the same way every day, and hopefully the picture that's on the mound is a guy that you can get to. I get a little frustrated about something. I think if somebody's listening to this podcast, they're probably smart enough and savvy enough to what I'm about to talk about. They, they get, but I'm still going to address it nonetheless. There, se- there seems to be, from a contingent of the fan base, this feeling that the Brewers are faltering down the stretch again. And it's a completely flawed deal because, A, last year they did not falter down the stretch. Their final month of the season was darn good. They can't control that the Cubs just went on an incredible run. And when you start going month by month this year, in April they were 14-13, and 13, so they're basically a 500 team. May was their best month where they were 19-8. and eight. That was really good. June, 12-13, and 13, so basically a 500 team. July, 15-13, and 13, basically a 500 team. August, 13-13, and 13, officially a 500 team. And now in the month of September, they've taken off a bit again, 13-7. Uh, and seven. But there's clearly... They're, you know, they're not running out of gas. They're not. Uh, they're not faltering down the stretch. You know, the, the the numbers don't lie here. This is a team that has basically been a 500 team throughout the year with a really good month of May and now finishing strong. Yet I continue to hear people with this narrative that the Brewers are are falling apart here at the end of the season. Now the Cubs again, uh, July 15 and 10, August 18 and 10, and September 12 and 9. And you have to give the Cubs a ton of credit. They went on that 30-game, you know, game-scheduled-every-day stretch, and they only lost a half game in that period. Kudos to the Cubs for being able to go through that stretch and do what they do. I think that's a really impressive thing. But that's, that's on the Cubs. From a Brewers' perspective, they're, they're doing what they've done all year, and they're actually doing a little bit better right now than they had been most of the season. Yeah, and the month of the, the, the second half of July, you know, the start of the just before the All-Star break, which was a late All-Star break this year, they started with that five-game sweep in Pittsburgh where they, they lost all five. And you said that the July record was still two games over 500. And then their worst stretch of the year, in my opinion, was early uh, first half of August when the bullpen started to falter and you were still getting uh, a little bit of short starts here and there, but the bullpen wasn't able to just hold serve the whole time. So, and a little bit of offensive inconsistency, I'm sure if I went back and looked at the game by game, 
Uh, but they came out of that month with uh, an exactly 500 record. So, yeah, between uh, the undefeated month of March, let's, I know that you, you probably rolled that into your April numbers, but the undefeated month of March um, for the Brewers' credit, and then what they've been able to do for most of the year, yeah, they've consistently, uh, or, or rather they've stayed relatively consistent as far as their overall win-loss. And as you said, it's not, there was no collapse last year. They played a bad month you know, uh, roughly three and a half to four weeks last season. And the Cubs caught him, passed him, and won the division. And the Brewers, you know, they fought to the, the, the almost the absolute bitter end, you know, the, the penultimate game of the year, finally, when they were eliminated from playoff contention. So the fact that this year they've been able to absorb that body blow and continue to advance forward, uh, in my opinion, it's it just goes to show you the maturity of this team uh, the resiliency of this team and that the fact that last year what happened they're better for it the guys that are still here and the veterans that they brought in the free agent acquisitions that they brought in uh the guy like christian Yellis that they traded for they, those guys have all benefited this team and yeah they're still in a little bit of a dogfight but you know most people didn't expect atlanta to be this good uh most people expected didn't expect philly to be this good um the Cardinals are pretty much always in the hunt, but the Brewers are, you know, they finished last year 10 games over 500. And what are they today? 21 games over, 22 games over after the win. So where they sit uh, in relative position to other teams is not a, a great difference from 2017. But the fact that they, uh, again, absorbed that really bad stretch where you know like you said a portion of the fan base just oh my god it's another collapse and here here comes the same old brewer same old collapsing team every year uh and you know i did my best to fight those fight those fires on social media but eventually it's just like you know what you guys can see the results for yourself and it's not it was kind of an uphill battle that was a, a losing one but you know this team is fine uh and like i said this team is much better than it was last year and the position that they're in is a stronger position than it was last year. So I think hopefully fans will eventually get this woe is us, uh, this this inferiority complex out of their vernacular and just be able to enjoy this team, uh, enjoy the position that they've put themselves in and enjoy the position that they are allowing fans to find themselves in, you know, rooting for a team that's bound for the playoffs. After Sunday's win, 89 and 67, 22 games over 500 for the Brewers, which is obviously a pretty impressive number. Uh, get you out of here on just a couple guys that I want to get your take on. First off, I mean, Christian Yelich and what he's done recently is incredible. Uh, went two for three on Sunday, his average up to 322. He continues to lead uh, the batting title race over uh, old friend Scooter Jeanette. Obviously, the, the debate this past week on social media got a little silly as far as the Christian Yelich versus Javi Baez thing and uh, you had some you know probably some Cubs fans who were not looking at it straight and uh, just everybody involved with it again I think the uh, the argument got a little bit still uh, silly but no matter what it's whoever wins the MVP is going to be deserving of it but I don't who cares if he wins MVP at this point they're in a playoff race and he's continuing to just put up huge numbers it's so much fun to watch Oh, it is. It's so much fun to watch. There's no better way to put it. Christian Yelich is worth the price of admission. Um, There's so many certain guys around baseball that you just, you know, you happily pay to watch play. And I know it's kind of a 
a media phrase. You know, guys that never have to pay to get into the ball game, they like to throw that out there as kind of a, a way to say, hey, this guy's worth it to actually me having to spend my own money to get into the ballpark to see these guys play baseball. And, and Christian Yelich has been one of those guys, uh, but now he's, I don't know if it's all the move to the new park. It certainly helps a little bit, but that home run he hit on Sunday, that was no cheapie in Pittsburgh. <laughs> no, that stuff no, was crushed. So, uh, you know, he's he's coming into his own physically. Um, he's getting to that prime of his, the, you know, the prime years of his career, 26, 27, 28, you know, that kind of range. Um, so he's really a guy that you know, the Brewers saw something in. David Stern saw something in, like that the arrow was still pointed up in all the key areas. And the fact that he's, that they've been right, and that Yelich is doing what he's doing for a team, again, that seems to be playoff bound and is certainly in contention the last couple of seasons, but even more so this year, uh, how much better the team's played overall. Just what he's been able to do has just been an absolute joy as a fan of the game of baseball to be able to see uh, night in and night out. All right, last thing for you, and this is something that probably hasn't been talked about as much as it deserves to be. When Eric Kratz was brought in, here he is, a a AAA guy. They were getting nothing out of Jet Bandy, so they're just trying to find a veteran. And it's not that any of the numbers that Kratz has put up is going to wow you, but he's getting more starts than Manny Pena recently. He's one of the best framing uh, pitchers that you're, or catchers you're going to see. I mean, he gets his uh, he gets his pitchers some strikes. He's become a nice veteran voice in the clubhouse. You know, from a media perspective, he's always great for uh, for a quote. I feel and look, that has nothing to do with uh, with his impact on the team, but just overall. I don't think he deserve or he is getting maybe the recognition or the credit he deserves for his role on this team and what they've been able to do. <clears throat> yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from on that. Um, I think a lot of people are still. What I hear most about Kratz on on Twitter specifically is, "Hey, why isn't Pena starting more?" Uh, so it's kind of a even just kind of a a tangential. Um, mention of Kratz and that people are wondering more about Pena, like what's wrong with Pena? Um, and it, it, I don't think it is necessarily that anything is wrong with Manny at this point. Like you said, Kratz has done, he's done an amazing job receiving the baseball, uh, which is of course the primary job of any catcher uh, to call the game, to work with his pitchers, uh, to you know slow down the running game a little bit. All those defensive things are important, but receiving the baseball is number one. And his ability to get strikes called strikes and to really work with his pitchers and, and help guide them through the, a batting order, through a game, through a game plan, uh, he's really been strong in that area. And the fact that he comes in from the New York Yankees AAA team, uh, kind of a, you know, who knows what they're really getting was kind of the feel for most Brewers fans. It's like, wow. You know, they Jet Bandy can't hit again, so we got to go get this guy. And this guy, he sucks. He's never been in the major leagues for more than a day. So what what in the world are we doing? Why is this guy? And, oh, he was available, so they're just trying something. It was just this, this never-ending diatribe of, well, he's going to be bad too because he's old, <laughs> you know. And what Kratz brings, what he, you know, people say veteran presence doesn't matter. Uh, well, I, of course, beg to differ. But specifically in this case, uh, a veteran catcher knows how to work with a pitching staff, pick up a pitching staff's tendencies, you know, really get right with those guys, uh, get into a position of being comfortable, having them be comfortable with him. Most importantly, 
knowing what they like to pitch, uh, knowing what they like to do as far as attacking hitters, um, you know, working the video, watching tape, you know, going over there individually with the, the pitching coach and the pitcher, what they want to do that day, that kind of a thing. So Kratz is, he's been able to do that his entire career. There's a reason at 38 years old that Kratz is still in professional baseball because he's very good at his job, you know, despite the fact that he's never really hit at the big league level, you know, at least not consistently. Uh, but the fact that he continues to get a job and continues to find work and continues to be a guy that finds himself on a roster, uh, it's just a testament to his abilities at that job. So, yeah, he's been an unsung hero for sure. Um, and hopefully, you know, he's able to enjoy this uh, playoff probable uh, stretch here with the Brewers and, and really this uh, part of the end of his career. He knows, you know, he's, he's talked this year that he knows he only has so many days left in a baseball uniform as far as a player being a player goes. Um, so the fact that he's able to really have a season like this at his age Again, it's a testament to the hard work he puts in, to the knowledge and the skill that he has uh, at being a catcher. And the Brewers have been, they've benefited from that for a number of months now. So it's another savvy move at the end of the day by David Stearns to, you know, kind of help cover one of the worst moves of David Stearns' tenure here, in my opinion, uh, when they traded Martin Maldonado in the first place. Um, that's neither here nor there. It's an argument for another day. Um, but the fact that he was able to go out, identify, a guy who uh, the report is that they wanted to sign him, by the way, in the off season, but Kratz didn't, uh, didn't want to come here because he didn't see an opportunity with Pena and you know knowing the situation with um, Stephen Vogt and not having any options, Andy not having any options. Kratz didn't see a, a path to the majors for himself here. Uh, so when the Brewers had that need and were able to go and still get that guy, um, it's a guy that Stearns identified as a potential asset, and it's been all that and then some. It's going to be a fun week, three against St. Louis, where those two teams are contending for uh, the wild card positioning at this point. The Cardinals are also kind of jockeying with the Rockies just to make sure they get into the postseason. It's a, Brewers are in pretty good shape of being a postseason team, not mathematically in there quite yet, but uh, I feel pretty good about that. So the Brewers right now contending you know, for to be in that number one or number two wild card spot. The Cardinals are kind of contending anywhere from the top wild card position to being completely out of the postseason season the Rockies are kind of contending for either the second wild card position or being out of the postseason there's a there's a lot of moving parts there's still a chance a, a game 163 while is probably not as likely now as it was maybe a few days ago when the Brewers were within a game and a half of that uh, wild card spot uh, or excuse me that division spot uh, game 163 could possibly still happen it's not out of the realm possibility there could be a three-way tie with the Brewers Cardinals and Rockies so, I mean there's a lot of going on uh, three against the Cardinals, three against the Tigers. Adam, it's always great to talk to you. It's going to be a fun week, and we look forward to talking to you again uh, once uh, the team gets into the postseason. Yes, it's uh, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks here. Uh, hopefully, a fun few weeks as the Brewers are hopefully playing deep into the month of October. And you know, for everything that you do, Matt, uh, the season has been another fun one just to follow along and to to look back and, and think about where this team has come from, uh, from the preseason projections to the midseason swoon to just being able to, to kind of bear down and, and grit their teeth and, and stay in this playoff hunt. This has been a fun team to be around uh, this season, and hopefully, like I said, we got some more weeks uh, to come. 
Follow him on Twitter at Brewer Nation. Adam, appreciate the time, and I will talk again real soon. All right, Adam Rigg of the Brewer Nation joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Certainly enjoy him taking a little bit of time with us. So here's what the Brewers have coming up. We are talking to you late Sunday night, and with that, there are just six games remaining in the regular season. Uh, They will play three in St. Louis, a huge series against the Cardinals, especially in terms of the Brewers making sure that they have a home playoff game uh, in the wild card and still possibly keeping themselves alive in the divisional race, depending on what the Cubs do. But most important, pushing the Cardinals back a bit as you try to uh, get this series against St. Louis and find a way to uh, at least get the top wild card position. So three in St. Louis, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday is going to be the final off day of the season. And then next weekend, they will wrap up the season at home with an interleague series against a not very good Detroit team Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Should be noted the Sunday game, generally Sunday games at Miller Park are 110 starts. Uh, That was pushed back to a 2-10 start uh, on Sunday. I believe they do that. I think every game starts at the same time on the final day of the season. Is that right? I'm not sure off the top of my head. I feel like uh, that's why they do that, but I might be wrong on that. I'd have to double-check that. Uh, But nonetheless, three games against Detroit. Uh, That Monday game against the Cardinals, no starting pitcher as I am talking to you at 11.41 p.m. on the evening of Sunday, September 23rd. Uh, they are going to go bullpen game. Then Gio Gonzalez, Yolis Chassin pitching Tuesday, Wednesday. And then as they get into Detroit, as it sits right now, the Friday game would be started by Zach Davies. The Saturday game would uh, be started by Wade Miley. And Sunday is still up in the air. We'll see what that ends up looking like right now. Yolis Chassin is set up to uh, pitch in that first playoff game, no matter what the playoff game may end up being. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Brewers Extra Innings Podcast, powered by WTMJ Mobile. Don't forget, you can listen to all the Brewers games on 620 WTMJ on the occasion that you tune into WTMJ on a Sunday and you hear a Packers game and not a Brewers game. You can always switch over to 94.5 FM KTI Country. That's where the games run when there is a conflict between the two. We uh, look forward to talking to you again next week. We're gonna, man, it's gonna be fun when we're doing this podcast next week because we're gonna know exactly what's going on with the Brewers. This enjoy this week. That's my last thing I want to say to you. Enjoy this week. There is nothing better than pennant chases in baseball and playoff baseball and just baseball games that matter the way these next six regular season games and anything that happens after that. Nothing better. Than, uh, than, than the way this is going to go out. So just enjoy it. You can be hopeful that the Brewers uh, play well and that it works out for them in terms of where they want to be in postseason play. But just enjoy this next week. This is uh, over a course of 162 games, over the course of basically six months. It all comes down to six games in the final week of the season, and it's going to be fun. I really look forward to talking to you next week for our uh, hopefully playoff preview edition of Brewers Extra Innings Podcast. We'll wait and see. Uh, it looks pretty good that they'll clinch this week. I think it's going to happen. I'm not trying to uh, jinx anything right here. Hopefully, hopefully next week is a playoff preview edition of the podcast. And we'll talk to you again next week here on Brewers Extra Innings Podcast Power by WTMJ. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode 
For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.